what you want, when you want it, where you want it. This is The Mesh. This episode of The Caregiver Community is sponsored by Pace at Home. During this uncertain time, Pace at Home is enrolling participants who wish to continue to remain at home. Partnering with families, Pace at Home provides caring medical support for all of our program's participants. Visit us on our website or give us a call at 828-468-3980 to talk with a representative that can discuss with you the Pace at Home all-inclusive medical approach. Pace at Home is the champion for seniors wishing to remain in their community. Welcome to the Caregiver Community. This is a place where we talk about the joys and the challenges of caring for our aging parents as well as caring for ourselves. I am Frances Hall, founder and executive director of ACAP, Adult Children of Aging Parents. In this podcast, we're talking about connecting through photos, tips for using photography to engage with those with dementia. Dorothy Griffin is my interviewee. Dorothy and her husband are the owners of Griswold Home Care for Wilmington, North Carolina. Dorothy's appreciation for the therapeutic nature of art led her to form an art support group for family caregivers in Wilmington several years ago. Just to be completely transparent, though, Dorothy is the co-chair for the ACAP Cape Fear Leadership Team, providing monthly educational programs for adult children and others in the Wilmington, North Carolina area. Hi, Dorothy. It is great to have you here this morning. How are you? Thank you so much. I'm glad to be here. I'm doing well. Great, great. Dorothy, dementia seems to be so prevalent these days and alarmingly is on the rise. There are now more than 6 million people in the United States living with dementia, and most are cared for, as you know, by family or friends, at least at some point. We are all looking for anything and everything that can help those with the disease be more comfortable, as well as looking for ways families and caregivers can interact effectively with their loved ones. I know there is some research talking about this, talking about this podcast. I went out and did some research and just really quickly came up with several research um, research projects that had been done specifically on using photos, exactly what we're going to talk about, using photos with people, with, with persons who have dementia, Alzheimer's, or any of the forms of dementia. Um, Boston University did a evidently a major study, entitling it, um, Photos are more useful than words for memory recall in patients with mild Alzheimer's disease. So the question is, how is it that photos help? What are the benefits of using photography with family members with dementia um, or Alzheimer's or any of, any of the forms of dementia? How does that work? Okay, well, that's what we're going to talk about today, and I am excited about just how I've seen it work in the lives of people and how it can help family caregivers specifically, too. So when I think of the benefits of looking at photos, there's kind of two main dimensions that I think about. The first is the memory benefit, which you mentioned, 
And I think all of us have probably experienced this one. Um, my husband has tremendous memory recall. He can tell you the name of every student in his classes throughout grade school. And um, I do not have that kind of memory at all. But if I look at a class photo, maybe even one as far back as kindergarten, there are going to be names that come to mind and not just the names, but even the stories. In fact, thinking back at one of my classes, I remember, you know, one particular student who brought his guitar to, to show and tell and played this kind of love song for one of the other girls and what her name was. So there's this power in photos to bring back memories that we haven't remembered for a long time or maybe didn't even know was still kind of in our memory bank. Um, so I think about that aspect of photos helping um, any kind of activity that can help stimulate the brain is helpful. And so looking at photos is one of those types of activity and that can help slow down mental deterioration. But in addition, when you're looking at familiar photos like family photos or a photo of a home that can do even more. And so one of the studies that I had looked at recently talked about how they took students who would interact with residents at a community and they divided them up into four different groups. And so one group of residents just interacted with the students. There were no photos involved. One group interacted with photos that were just generic stock photography. One group interacted with photos that were family photos, things that were familiar to them. And then one of them didn't have any ear interaction, kind of a test group. And they found that with the group that was looking at the familiar photos, they found significant improvement in the cognitive function and a decrease in memory fog for those who were not participating in that study. So that's kind of the first one where it is the memory aspect. Um, the second dimension is really the one I get excited about, not that memory is not important, but I think it's fun to witness this part of it. And that is how photos can really help to build connections when it's done right. Um, it's tough to be the person with dementia and it's tough to be the person who's caring for them. And so I think any tool that helps those two people build positive connections between them is just really a beautiful thing. And so actually that same pilot that I was mentioning, it not only found those increases in memory, but they also found that the, the residents who worked with the students with the familiar photos, after the sessions, they would talk enthusiastically about these sessions throughout the day and following the session. They mentioned them bringing up memories maybe 10 or 15 minutes after the session, you know, related to the photos that they were looking at. And even some of the memories they recalled, the family members said, I didn't even know they remembered that. You know, I haven't heard that story in years. Um, they also talked about how there was less depressive stages, less occurrences of depressive stages with them. And another kind of random thing that they found is that when they also looked at some of the photos with someone who normally would administer their medication, that their medication compliance went up by about 50%. So, so while the connections are important, there are these other aspects, you know, depression, medication compliance, there's other aspects that kind of follow along with that because they feel good, you know, things, their anxiety is lowered. They've had this really positive connection. So those are, I guess, just kind of doing an overview. Those are some of the things that I thought of as the connection side of it, as well as the memory. Uh, and I think, you know, you know, we can't overemphasize the importance of connections with someone with dementia. Um, a story that I was thinking of when I was preparing for this, uh, a relative of mine was admitted to the ER who had Alzheimer's disease. 
And she was asked who brought her there that day. And she said, I don't know. And they asked her who she lived with. And she said, I don't know. And I think they just continued to try to ask her questions. And finally, she just said something like, I I don't really know anyone. And she said, but I do know God. And he's the one I do know. And that's the reality she was living in. You know, all the connections with people that she could still remember. Most of them had passed away. She was in her hundreds at this point. And so for her, she felt like she didn't have any connections. She was isolated and or felt isolated and felt alone. And so I love how any tool that we have that can help someone who may be feeling that way to feel connected, um, whether it's past connections, they can reminisce about people they've been connected to in the past, or whether it's current connections, connecting with family caregivers, professional caregivers, other people in their life. Um, that's just really important and can help lower stress for the caregiver and just help the person with Alzheimer's or dementia feel less isolated. All of those are such powerful, such powerful understandings of what this one simple, easy thing can do, not only for the person with Alzheimer's or or dementia, but when their anxiety is lowered, when they are more compliant with medication, when they are in a better space, then the person or the people caring for them feel much better also. And what a beautiful way of interacting. Um, tell me about, you know, here, you know, show the pictures and, and talk about them, reminisce sort of together, I guess, right? Yeah, I mean, I think that's part of the connection piece is that you are you are a part of them sharing those stories. They're remembering them with you. They're looking through the photos with you. So you're building this time of being together where they are feeling good about it. Um, so that's you know part of that positive connection. Right, right, right. Well, you talked about the one the one relative who is in the emergency. Oh, uh, yeah, in the emergency room. Are there other family members? Have you experienced this with the other family members? Yeah. So with that family member, I actually didn't talk about how we used the photos with her. That was just kind of, I guess, the realization of how isolating the Alzheimer's was for her personally. Um, so there's actually two different family members. It's my grandmother and my husband's grandmother that we've created photo books for. And interestingly enough, the one was not created for this purpose. Um, we made it for my grandparents' 70th wedding anniversary. And so since it was a celebration of their marriage, it didn't include older photos. It really started with their dating relationship. Um, Then we moved through them getting married when they were separated by World War II, Um, being parents, being grandparents, their retirement, their hobbies. So it was really just a celebration of their relationship. Um, But what we found is as my grandmother's dimension progressed, my mom would often pull this book out and look look at it with my grandmother And I saw how it created this really positive time of them connecting together. And there were times where those photos weren't very familiar to her. You know, she was living kind of more before that time of being married to my grandfather, but she still enjoyed looking at these photos. There was still a familiarness to them, even if she didn't seem to recognize who they were. Um, And then there were days that she did remember and she shared stories. And it was just interesting to see the calming influence it had on my grandmother the way it gave my mom a specific task that she could do with her during her visit. She just knew this, you know, this was something that we could do together. Um, and I think the other thing that I, I noticed is how it helped. She had caregivers who also worked with her during this time. 
And my mom shared stories of how it helped her connect with those caregivers. Um, Some of them were newlyweds. And so they were looking at a photo of her when she was a newlywed. Um, If they had a husband who was deployed with a military, they saw here's this woman, you know, we see her as someone in her nineties with these diagnoses, but she was a wife of a man that went overseas during world war II. And so it helped to them to see her kind of more as a full person, you know, her history, her stories, and it helped them to build connection with her and share those stories together. Um, So that was, that's really kind of where the seed of the idea started for me. And so then the second example was with my husband's grandmother. We actually made her a book for her 102nd birthday. Oh my word. So we made it in mind of this is what we want to create is something that helps us and any caregivers working with her to build these connections. So for her, we started much older. Excuse me. Um, We started with photos of her parents and then her and her siblings as children and then moving up to, you know, meeting her husband and their children. And we really didn't include very many of her grandchildren because at that point she had not known me for several years and really, you know, wouldn't have recognized those. And we didn't want to put a bunch of people in there that were not familiar to her at all. And so um, we gave her that book for her 102nd birthday. And at that point, she didn't know me. She didn't know my husband very well most of the time. And she wasn't really sharing stories much, but we videotaped her looking through this book. And it was the most that she had talked to, talked to us in quite a while. She reminisced about people in the book. She, she, you know, shared some stories about her sister Um, And then one funny thing is I accidentally put in a picture that was not her home place. It was in this bigger scrapbook. And I guess it was from a family reunion, but I thought it was her home place. And as soon as she saw that, she, I think my husband said something about that's where you grew up or that's your home. And she said, no, that's not my home. And she told us what state that home was in and, you know, went into some detail about that. And I thought, wow, you know, she's 102 with dementia and she's correcting me about this photo that I put in my (laughs) book. But it, was, it was just was a really sweet moment. It's definitely a, a really good memory that I have of our time with her. You know, that sweet moment, that that's what keeps coming to my mind is just these precious moments that are being created for the caregiver and family for the rest of their lives. But for the person with dementia, just this sweetness of somebody is really interacting with me and really hearing me and wanting to know my stories and just how, how lovely that is. You've, you've said something a minute ago, though, that I wanted to kind of underscore that, that we are not suggesting that looking through photos is a panacea, that it's going to you know, take care of the dementia, reverse it, any of that kind of stuff that what we really are talking about is that it is a really wonderful way to interact, to calm, to often calm and and lessen the anxiety of the person with dementia. Um, just this wonderful way of, of being together. And that, yes, there are some measurable outcomes from this. But don't go into it thinking that, oh, we're going to show this book, you know, these photos and every day, and we're going to back this dementia up, right? Right. And I think that's a really important point so that you know what your focus is too. Because if I go into looking at a photo book and my goal is for her to remember everybody that's in that book, it is going to be a very stressful experience for both of us because that's, 
you know, that could be a day where she doesn't know anybody in the book. And it's, it's, it becomes a test. Um, you know, you think about if, if you were to wake up every morning and you get tested in Latin or Greek or whatever language you don't know, you know, what kind of life is that to feel like every morning I have to be, or every time you see this person, they're always going to test you. So I would definitely say when you're interacting with someone, number one is, is the connection side of it. You are trying to build this positive experience, this positive moment. You're creating a new memory for them in some sense. They may not remember, but you're creating this positive time for them. And while memory recall is a benefit, I would really encourage anyone not to focus on that at all, but to focus on the connection side of it. That's really important. So in other words, do not go, Grandma, do you remember this person or do you remember this instance? But rather to share what what you know and ask and then what? How how do you how do you really ask them to participate? Sure. So I would say, um, you know, one thing, especially for people that have a really hard time for this with this, you might even tell yourself, I'm not going to ask any questions. Because anytime you ask a question, it can make the person feel like a test. So instead of like, oh, who is this? Or when was this? Or do you remember this? Those are good things to say. Probably need to avoid that. Now, if they always remember their husband, they're at the place where they're always remembering him, then that's okay to say, oh, is this your husband? Or, you know, share something you remember about him. So I think some of it is knowing where your loved one is at. Um, But you kind of want to make sure you're not asking questions that are going to cause them to feel anxious or feel like they don't know the answer. So some things that you can do instead is just make comments about, about the photo. Um, You can make observations or the other thing you can do is even observe that you don't know who somebody is, or I wonder what their relationship is because now you've, when you think about trying to be a partner with the person that you're working with, them feel like you're on their team. They see, you don't necessarily know who they are. You don't necessarily know what their relationship is. And you haven't said that you don't, but if you just say, oh, I wonder, you know, what their relationship is, or I wonder what they were doing that day, or I wonder what the weather was like. You just kind of make some observations or some comments about the photo, or you make some wonder statements. And then if they know the answer now, they're the authority getting to tell you or share some stories with you. If they don't know, then they, they're right there with you. They don't know. And you just let them go at their own pace, too, as they go through the book. In fact, when we gave the one to my husband's grandmother for her 102nd birthday, she was, you know, that we were celebrating her birthday. We had sung happy birthday and had the cake. There was still the wrapping paper, and she's very neat and orderly. So she wanted to get that wrapping paper out. So my husband was trying to look at the book, and I think she kind of was like, I need to get my space cleaned up first. Um, And so we just kind of just flipped pages until she caught sight of her sister's photo. And that's what got her engaged. You know, once she saw that, she recognized her. That's how she started talking. So I would say, you know, going, letting them go at their own pace, making sure you're not asking questions they don't know the answer to, making observations or wondering aloud. And just, you know, let, I guess the other thing would be, if they're just not into looking at the photos, you can just kind of flip. And if it's not something that they're interested in, don't make it something that's a stressful experience because you don't want them to relate looking at photos or a photo book as something that brings them anxiety, even if they don't know why, but because you've created these moments of it not being a fun experience. And a very gentle process. And it sounds like just because today they may not be interested does not mean that tomorrow or next week 
they may not be interested. In other words, that today is today. And the next time that you have an opportunity to be with them, they may be very interested in the photos, right? Right, right. And which photos they're interested in will change at different times too, just what happens to catch catch their attention. So photo book is more static and that it's going to be the same photos every time. Obviously, if you have a box of photos, you could just pick out some to, to set out and reminisce about or let them just look through them in the book, but you're, or look through them in the box and you be there with them and, you know, make some comments or make some suggestions about who somebody might be and just see where the conversation goes, see what, what stories come up. You're giving some great recommendations of what to do and what not to do. A question that comes to my mind is even, is there like a, a number of photos that, you know, this is too few, this is too many, or is it just put together what you have and see where it goes with the, with your loved one? Yeah, I would say that when you think about the number, you don't want it to be overwhelming. Like if you were doing it in a book, you don't want it to be overwhelming on one page. So if a page has maybe two, at most three pictures, and sometimes just one, that is probably better than having you know a whole collage of photos on a page because that can be... Uh, distracting. You want the focus to be just on one or two photos, and then they can turn the page and see some others. Obviously, some of that's going to be impacted by what their vision is like, too. So make sure they're really crisp photos and easy to see and of a size that's easy um, for them to see. Um, as far as, you know, just the size of a book, again, you don't want it to be such a large book. That's the one that I created for my husband's grandmother. She actually had a book that was maybe three or four inches thick, that um, a relative had created, which was a beautiful book at the time that she created it for her, but it was so many photos and such a heavy book that at 102, it just wasn't something that she could easily take off a shelf and look at by herself or look at with someone else and not feel overwhelmed. So I think, you know, some of that depends on what you know about your loved one, how many photos would be too much for them. But I would probably recommend if you're doing a book, one to three on a page. And, and you can, if you put some a description on it, then that way, if a caregiver or someone that does not know the person with dementia as well, then can have some tips about who that person might be or, you know, just some, some ideas. So the ones that we created for both of them, we would put names on the page more for the person that was looking through it with them so that they would kind of know, oh, these are kids or these are grandkids and, and have some of that connection as well, even if the grandmother didn't know who they were at that time. Right. Right. Good. All of these are good suggestions. Um, so when you're talking about a book and having two or three pictures per page, I'm assuming that that means use just the front side. Don't try to put pictures like when you opened when you open the book um, in the middle, that there would not be two or three pictures on the left and two or three pictures on the right. Is that the picture? Um, I mean, I, I wouldn't do any more than that on each side. Typically what I would do is maybe if I had one on the left, then on the right, I might have two or three. But yeah, so when you have it open in the spread, you wouldn't want, again, it depends on the person, but I've, you know, ideally I would probably have two to four total on the spread, if that makes sense. Gotcha. 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 Uh, these are great recommendations. Any other recommendations or thoughts that you have for people who maybe are just beginning to create this? Sure. Um, I guess the other thing would be 
be careful of not correcting them. So there may be times where they remember someone wrong. Maybe their grandson looks like their son. And so they identify them as that person. And I think you just go with where they're at, you know, what's familiar to them, where their stories go. And, and by correcting them, you can kind of stop that flow of reminiscing and sharing and feeling positive about the time. So I would, I would say that's kind of a, a suggestion to make um, when you're going through it. I know that's easier for someone who maybe doesn't have the emotional connections with the person to do. If you're the family caregiver and you're with them all the time and it's frustrating that they're not remembering who somebody is, you can have that emotional reaction. And um, just one situation I remember a person had, they were talking about one particular family member and she made the comment, I haven't seen them in years. And the family member responded with, well, I hope not. They've been dead for however many years it had been. And I just, you know, it was, it was so hard to hear that because, you know, she just shut down. And those, those are the kind of things, I guess you just think of, you know, you don't want to shut the person down, especially when they're sharing stories or they're remembering something. So if they're not remembering it correctly, that's okay. You know, that's, that's where they're at right then. It's more about the positive experience than trying to correct them in the moment, especially when they're dealing with dementia and they're not going to remember this later on, but they'll remember how they felt when they were spending that time with you. And that's, that's such an important part point that it's about how they feel uh, regardless of the details. It's yeah. really an opportunity to create a, a um, a precious moment so that everyone feels feels good about it, comes away feeling like like something important. Like that was fun. That was enjoyable. That was really nice to do. Right. So they maybe want to do it again. Yeah. And I think part of that is also knowing what photos would be important to that person. So when I think of my grandparents, my grandfather was much more the engineering mind that, you know, he would like photos of things that were amazing, how it was built and, you know, things like that relational too. So he likes the ones of people where my grandma loves the gardens and the flowers. And so vacation photos of a castle or flowers or some China, she was a China painter. So, you know, anything that kind of was nature, those are photos that she would love to look at, even if it wasn't just family photos and people, they were things that were beautiful she would enjoy looking at those as well. And so we actually would, we had some travel journals that she had written and, you know, had some photos in those that the caregivers would also go through with her. And it was funny because there were times where she didn't realize it was her own travel journal, but they were all things that she loved. So she enjoyed going through it anyway. And the caregivers enjoyed it because they were getting to kind of travel to this place with her that she had been. Um, so that was just a neat way to, to share some memories and stories, whether they were familiar or not. They were things that she was attracted to because that's what she wanted to write about from those travels. Um, so I would say that's some of it, too. You know, if your loved one is a farmer, then anything that would get him talking about, you know, the wheat or the tobacco or the process or bringing in the harvest and farm equipment. You know, some of those maybe the photos in their book where another person that didn't do farming, those would you know, their grandparents' farm may not be a photo that they have as much connection to for some reason. You know, so much of what you are describing, and we've done a podcast on this um, a long time ago, person-centered care. It's really understanding who your loved one is and creating 
the this opportunity to um, to be in that place where they enjoy, you know, whether that's family or whether that's, as you're saying, art or flowers or gardens or farming or, you know, architecture or whatever. It's really a combination. It's not just family unless that person is just all about family, right? Yeah, and it's thinking about what gets them excited because that's what they're going to be excited to talk about and that's what they're going to be excited to share with you and feel like, you know, we've had this great time together because I just shared something that is my passion or what's important to me. And for many people, that's family. Obviously, there's a lot of emotional connections to to our families, but there are other aspects that, that may bring someone joy in that interaction too. Um, holidays are the time that the families typically are together more than at other times of the year. You know, that just is kind of the nature of things. Are there some particular recommendations relative to the holidays that that you would suggest? Okay, when you're going to all be together, you know, here's some things to think about. Right. That's kind of a big topic because, again, it depends on the person and where they're at on their stage with dementia. Um, when I think of, you know, big family gatherings, if there's a lot of people there, sometimes that can be overwhelming to someone who has dementia, the, all the sounds, all the busyness, not being able to hear the conversations. So I would say that, you know, there's times that being able to have just one family member spend some time with them in a place that's maybe a little bit quieter, that's where the photo book can be really helpful too, because you think of family members that may not know, you know, how do I interact with grandma now that she doesn't necessarily know who I am or, I don't know, you know, she doesn't, so much of how we interact is questions. (laughs) And so, you know, if if that's kind of a grandchild or a child starts with doing the questions and they don't seem to know, our response is to just pull away because we're not sure how to interact. And so I would say this can be a good tool for different family members to interact with someone, but to be able to do it in an area where you don't feel like you're pulling them away from everything, but where it's quieter, maybe sitting at a table and just the adjoining room and being able to look through some photos together. Um, and it could be looking at photos that are on the wall. It can be, like I said, looking at a photo box. If you haven't created a book, sometimes looking through photos in a box over time can help you see what are the photos that bring up stories and that are important to them. What are the ones that they never say anything about or maybe don't even like because there's some bad memories associated with that person or that time period. Um, So I would say those are some of the things, you know, there are people who are really skilled at bringing out stories with someone who has dementia or Alzheimer's. I think of, you know, a lot of our caregivers, that's, that's why they're so great at caregiving because they don't necessarily need a tool like a photo book to be able to, to get those stories. Um, but for a lot of family members, that's not necessarily their skill set, And so that's where I see this as a tool that they can use. And, and maybe it's just them sharing some of their stories or what they remember too. Um, but I, I think that's where I've, I was excited about doing this podcast around the holidays because you do, you know, when we talk about the importance of connections, you have all these people in the home and you want them to be able to feel that same sense of being connected to family at the holidays. And for someone with dementia Alzheimer's, that can be more of a challenge, especially if there's people in the home that they don't recognize and they feel like they should. Um, and so any way that you're just, again, building those connections with people, whether they're familiar to them or not. Um, it's just a, a sweet moment and will be sweet memories. Right, right. 
And yes, we are right now approaching the holidays, moving to the holidays. Um, but this really is applicable year round. Yes, definitely. Yeah, my when my mom used it with my grandmother, it was. I mean, she 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 didn't get tired of it, and so it was an activity they did almost all every visit because it was something that was a positive experience for her. And I know, you know, again, my grandmother's into beauty and people and relationships, so that's not going to be true for everyone. But for her, this was a, a activity, a task that she enjoyed doing, um, and and. It just depends on the people. You know, you have people who are more extroverted and storytellers. And so maybe it's just starting with a photo book and then you get on the stories and that's it. You can take people who are more introverted and this can be a, a great tool for creating those moments. Right, right, right. Absolutely. Dorothy, you have given so much good information. And this truly is, I, I feel like this is a little bit like the podcast we did about music and dementia and how powerful music is. And you even said something a little earlier about music um, and, and prayer and prayer. Um, but but is there anything else that I haven't asked about that you think, ooh, I really want to make sure that people know this before we, before we close? Yeah, I think that I think we've talked about most of it. To me, the main thing is just focus on the connection. Um, don't push it. So like I said, if they're not really interested in the photo book, just remember that it's more about how they feel about it. So don't push it at a time where they're not interested, um, not correcting them, but just allowing them to, to be in the moment of where they are and um, focus on what is important to them as well. And then enjoy it. I, I love hearing the stories that come out of this time. And, you know, some, we talked about some of the photos being ones that are specific to their family, but, you know, if I found out my grandma, went to the pirate festival in Wilmington when she was young. There was one that was, I think the 1920s. And then I looked for a photo of the pirate festival to, to show that to her. So when she didn't remember that she'd done that, when she saw the photo, maybe that would bring up that recollection or that they drove in a model T. So you could have a picture of a model T. So, so even though I said that, you know, with that one research, they found that stock photography wasn't as effective as ones that are personal, but you can find, stock photography of things that are personal to them. Like I didn't have to have her model T car, but if I have a model T, it might bring up a story about when we carried sweet potatoes to the cousins in Wilmington and went to the pirate festival, you know, like those things can still be beneficial photos, not just the ones that are actually ones that belong to them and are of the family. Right. And one of the things that I certainly know is that I thought that I had heard all of my mother's stories and after she passed, I was like, you know, I wonder about, <laughs> you know, and we, we did some photos and we did all sorts of things together. Um, but but the, the reality is hearing more of the stories of our loved ones helps us know more about where we've come from and what yeah. was important to people that, that are important to us. And so it's just... It, it truly is a gift for the person who has dementia, but it also is a gift to the person who is sitting there sharing the photos and sharing the stories. Definitely. Yeah. When I think of the holidays, that's, you know, some of my favorite memories are sharing stories around the table and sure. you know, hearing the history, whether it's my own family or the family I've married into, just mm -hmm. hearing what they've been through, what they remember, what makes them laugh. Um, so yeah, it's a great, right. great right. point. Absolutely. Dorothy, thank you so much. This has been wonderful 
just and it's just such a great reminder that the simplest things can just be so meaningful to people. So thank you for that. And thank you for having me. Absolutely. We also want to thank you, our listeners. Um, we hope this podcast, like like all of our others, have has been meaningful for you and that you'll share it with others who you believe may benefit from it, may be interested in it. We also certainly want to thank Pace at Home in Hickory, North Carolina. They are the sponsor for this podcast and all of our podcasts. This program is part of the Mesh Network of online shows and podcasts. You may find more of our caregiver pod, caregiver community pod, goodness, I can't talk, more of our community, caregiver community podcast on any of the platforms where you listen to podcasts. You also will find our podcast on our website, www.acapcommunity.org. While you're on our site, we hope you will take a few minutes and learn more about ACAP, our chapters, and the programs that we offer, as well as our online programs, um, on online resources. And if there are other topics you would like for us to address as a podcast, please do let us know. As we say so often in ACAP, regardless of our age, our background, our education, our career, or anything else, when it's our mother, our father, our loved one who needs the help, caring for and advocating for that person becomes very personal and extremely important. So please care well for your loved ones, but also remember to take care of you. Bye for now. You've been listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Check us out online at themesh.tv. Discover other network shows and give us feedback on what you just heard.